Hello and welcome to Podshout. Podshout is a podcast series that will bring to you, our valued listeners, interviews covering a wide range of topics. We have three main channels, property and business. We will bring to you a range of conversations with some of this country's leading property experts and business leaders. Inspiring people. We will bring to you interviews with inspirational individuals from around the world who've achieved greatness and inspire others to do so. And finally, our third channel will be more of a philosophical set of podcasts about life, its challenges, and some of the views from our host Greg Sugar's upcoming book, Life in Twos. We hope you enjoy this series, which is available from wherever you get your favourite podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Podshout, and you can see what's coming up in future episodes. Or come and visit us at our website, www.podshout.com.au. Hi there, I'm your host Greg Sugars, and welcome to this week's episode of Podshout. When I think of inspiring people, I think of people who've really made a difference. Our guest today, Ian Carson, is one such individual. Together with his wife Simone, Ian has taken an idea to reality, and that idea just happens to mean that those without food security here in Australia now have access to a range of food options. During the day, Ian's the head of markets at PwC, but it's the wonderful charity work that he does in his spare time that'll be the subject of today's discussion. There's no doubt that Second Bite is an amazing example of charitable success. Ian's also the president of the Victorian Arts Centre Trust, trustee of the Melbourne Cricket Club, and in 2017, he was awarded an Order of Australia for his work in food rescue and business. In 2018, together with his wife, Simone, he was appointed Melbourneian of the Year. We are so very lucky to have the inspirational Ian Carson as our guest today. Welcome, Ian. Great to be with you, Greg. It's a real uh, privilege. Before I ask you about some of the wonderful work of Second Bite, can I get you to respond uh, with your thoughts on this statement? If you want something done, give it to a busy person. Look, it's so often true, Greg. Um, I think that um, people who are busy um, sometimes just want to see things done. And um, so people who sort of are busy are busy because they want to do stuff. So I think that's a, that's a pretty good phrase. So I like it. And you hold now and have in the past some really senior executive positions in some of Australia's biggest advisory businesses. How do you personally find the time to be such an active contributor to the community? Yeah, well, Greg, um, I had this philosophy that I don't want to be 90 sitting on the nursing home veranda and, and think, why didn't I do that? So I just don't want to waste. Um, I think, you know, if we've, if you're born in Melbourne or you grew up growing up in Melbourne, you're living in Melbourne, you know, we're in a great place in Australia. It's safe. Um, I was lucky enough to have a good education and a, and a good family. And um, I, I just don't want to waste the opportunity to make to uh, make a difference. And um, if I, I mean, and probably the biggest thing, Greg, is if I see a wrong, I actually like to write it. Yeah, right. Um, so that's been one of my big motivations, that if I see something I don't like, then um, often I'll try and do something about it. I guess Second Bite's really reliant on, on its volunteers, and 
Um, how do you motivate people to sort of give freely of their time? And is it hard to foster volunteerism? And, and maybe even if you could comment on whether you think that different generations have a different attitude towards volunteerism. Let's start with the story of Second Byton. Yeah, so I think that's worth covering. So Second Byte um, is, a, is a charity which rescues food which would otherwise be thrown away or go to waste. Now, generally, that is fresh, nutritious food, and it comes from markets, from supermarkets, um, fruit shops, growers, people who, who have uh, um, vegetable gardens, etc. Um, and Second Bite collects it or volunteers collect it and then it gets taken to existing charities which feed people. So that those sorts of charities are people like St Vincent de Paul, um, the Red Cross, Salvation Army, local church groups, and there's 1,200 organisations around Australia, little um, church groups and others, who feed people in their community and we get the food to those people through those agencies. So um, that's the model um, and it's really a logistics charity, Greg. Yeah, and I must admit I was... Uh... After we teed this interview up the other day, I was walked out for my one-hour walk the other day and I passed a, a, a second-bite truck and uh, was pulling into the local church. <laughs> so, um, yeah, obviously that's going on all the time. But obviously, Ian, when you, you know, 2005, I think you started Second Bite yep. with your lovely wife, Simone, um, and uh, something, well, you said you, you, you didn't like, to see things happen or injustices happen, but what was the trigger event that sort of spurred you on to say, hey, this is something we want to do? So um, I guess being brought up by parents who had uh, grown up um, during the Second World War um, and uh, who'd always never wasted anything, um, I just grew up with that Scottish mentality that you don't want to waste anything. And then... Um, you know, in my twenties and thirties, um, you know, you just—I just used to see food, and you'd think, "I wonder what's going to happen to that food." And one day, I was at a, a business function at, at a hotel in Melbourne, and there was a big smorgasbord, and everyone went and got their food. And then you saw that after everyone had eaten, that there was a lot of food left. So one day, I just went up to the waiter and I said, "What are you going to do with the food?" And he said to me, oh, we have to throw it out. And I said, what? He said, oh, no, we're not allowed to do anything with it. We have to throw it out. And I said, why don't you take it to the salvos up in Burke Street? He said, we're not allowed. And that actually got me really cross. Yeah, right. Um, that something which was so logical um, wasn't allowed. So then I started investigating about food, what you could or couldn't do, and then the government changed the law. Um, it was actually prohibited. The government brought in what's called the Good Samaritan Act. And then I realised that we could do something and we started investigating. Um, and initially we just got food from a couple of restaurants in Melbourne and took them to the Sacred Heart Mission in St Kilda. Um, and then from there it grew in little steps. 
getting people on board with the idea? Was it something that you thought, did you ever have a dream about how big it would get? No, no. That's, I mean, all we wanted to do, I mean, I think often you can overthink these things and people often can think things through too much and so they never actually start something. And I guess one of my um, uh, luck is that I see things and imagine how they might happen but don't, my brain doesn't think of the 4,000 steps to get there. <laughs> so, so we just wanted to start. How do we get food to people who need it? And so we just really tried to find a way to do that. And, and that started with a friend who wasn't working at the time. Yep. And uh, I said to him, have you got some time? He said, yes. I said, this is what we're thinking. And he said, yes, I'm in. And so he was the one who would go to Beko in Melbourne um, and Bamboo House and pick up the food to start with. Um, and then my wife, Simone, said, I think we could do more nutritious food. And she said, I think there might be food at the Paran market where she'd shopped for 30 years. Yep. And, um, she, and she said to me, that's what we should do. And I said, yes, darling. Um, wise, then, wise man. <laughs> the next week, she said, "I think there's nutritious food at the brand market," and she and I said, "Yes, darling." <laughs> and then when she said to me the third time, I listened, <laughs> and we went to the brand market. And uh, uh, John Pino, to his bless his heart, said, "Yes, of course, we'll help." And that's when it really took off. Yeah. So um, they were the early days. And, and now you don't operate just in Melbourne, though, do you? No, it's, it's a national organisation. It employs 80 people around Australia. It's got um, operations in every state. And as I said, it gets to 1,200 communities around Australia, including Indigenous communities. And uh, it's got about 1,000 volunteers, Greg. Yeah, wow. And do those volunteers typically have a profile of uh, are they, you know, uh, millennials? Are they, you know, Gen Xers? Or where, where do they fit into it? Or are they just a range of people that just have the same vision as you have? The first big break we got was when Rotary came on board. Right. Um, and so Rotary people are generally older people. Um, so... A lot of the volunteers are people who are retired yes. who are looking for something else to do. Yep. Um, and that's been a big driver. Um, uh, but we get people across the spectrum. It's just that uh, people who are retired have got a bit more time. Mm. And so you've got 80 paid employees. How many volunteers do you reckon Second Bite has on, on the books? Oh, it's, a, it's at least a 1,000 volunteers Wow. Yeah. who... Uh, will pick up from their local um, Coles supermarket or or other supermarket and take it to the local church group. Often they're people who actually come from those church groups or local charities where yes. they have volunteers themselves that go and pick up the food. Okay. And 
how many people do you reckon would have? I mean, you've got twelve hundred communities. The the organisation probably would have an estimation of how many individuals or people would have uh, benefited from the work of Second Bite. Well, the um, the stats are that over two million people in Australia um, go without at some stage during the year. Wow! So um, you know, it's probably around. Two million people, um, maybe more, who benefit from second bite at different times. I think the thing that's worth noting is that a lot of these people are not are not homeless. They are the working poor. Yes, the single parent families or the families who um, are struggling to pay the rent or struggling to pay the electricity bills. Um, and just struggling to make ends meet, um, who have to access um, food from other sources at some stage during the year. Yeah, so it might not be every week. It might just be, you know, when that big bill comes in and they've short that month or something like that. Well, that's right. They, yeah. they, they've, they've got a choice between paying the electricity and not having heating mm. or going without a meal, and, and that's what people do. And often... Um, you know, the, the parents will buy the kids' food and they'll go without. And, you know, the, the stories of the kids, you know, I've talked to people who um, talk about their parents and, and they'd say to them, why aren't you eating tonight, Dad? And they'd say, I'm just not hungry. But the kid knew that the parents were going without to feed the kids. Um, so when you, when you think about that level of poverty or um, lack of uh, resources in, in Australia, it's, it's actually pretty scary. Ian, um, you know, if we go back to your day job in the corporate world and corporate social responsibility is a huge uh, buzzword these days and, and there are shareholder activist groups of holding companies to account, where do you see... Um, you know, corporate Australia moving on this type of thing. So uh, with not-for-profit organisation like Second Bite, would you see that, that in the long run organisations will benefit from this movement in business? It's a, it's a great question, Greg. I mean, it's Coles is Second Bite's biggest supporter and um, Coles approached Second Bite about 10 years ago to get involved and Coles approached Second Bite because its staff said, we don't want to see this food going to waste, okay? So yep. Coles got involved because they're staff. When Coles got on board with Second Bite, Coles had the biggest increase in staff engagement in their history, okay? Yeah, because staff felt good about working for an organisation which was doing the right thing. And increasingly, people... It's employees and customers want to work with companies which are doing the right thing. And it's actually evolved um, even more than corporate and social responsibility to shared value. And shared value is a concept that Michael Porter um, out of Harvard invented, which is that an organisation um, in doing its job of its business can also have an impact on society. And so with Coles, just in their natural business, they have waste food. So 
they can do something about that. Uh, and so when you get the alignment between um, what a business's purpose is and what it does, you actually get a really incredible outcomes in terms of staff motivation, customers buying from that organisation. And we've seen some great examples, that um, social venture called Who Gives a Crap? Yes. Where people want to buy from an organisation which is doing the right thing. So it's I think society is expecting organisations to do the right thing. And um, yeah, I think you're right, and I think that uh, particularly younger people, it's one of the things that they look for when they go to work for an organisation is, you know, how does this business um, treat other members in the community? How does it treat the environment? And it's not just a, uh, I think I used the word buzzword, but it's not a buzzword. It's actually a way of doing business these days to keep people engaged. Um, if I head off on another sort of tactic, and um, obviously uh, you and Simone founded uh, Second Bite, but of recent times, there've uh, been a change of leadership. There is this something that you plan for, and secondly, was it hard to hand over the reins? That's a, it's a great question, Greg. Um, look, um, it was very empowering to let go of um, being the chair of Second Bite, um, and it was planned. Yeah, uh, it was after thirteen years, hmm. um, and. Good governance says that you don't want people um, in leadership roles for a certain period of time, and 13 years was enough. And so, you know, if you want an organisation to be sustainable, it's it's got to um, be about the organisation, not just about the individuals. So um, there was a friend of mine who was on the board of Second Bike Alana Rubin, who said to me, you know, you need to think about um, moving on at some point. And that was probably two years before that, and I really appreciated her saying that to me. Um, and I thought that's the right thing to do. And to be honest, I was actually exhausted because um, to run a charity like Second Bite um, takes, you know, between, you know, 20 and 60 hours a week, depending on... The week it just you know yeah. it just takes a lot to get those an organisation like that up and growing. So I thought she's she's actually onto something, Alana. And um, so we, we planned it. We sought out a new chair, um, and in fact now we're on to the third chair. Um, and so I th I'm really proud of being able to let go. There's a lot of um, charities where the founders um, don't let go. Yes. And I think that they can suffer from that. So it was quite empowering to be able to let go. Very good. And back in 2017, you and Simone were recognised by the Order of Australia. Um, that comes on top of a heap of accolades like Melburnians of the Year and being awarded the Global Social Entrepreneurs of the Year Award. How do you feel about this really, I suppose, a very public recognition for you as individuals, and has it allowed you to raise awareness and, and raise extra money? Look, it's amazing. I, I really didn't actually understand this because, as I said to you, I, we just had a concept of rescuing food. Um, and you, 
you were also asking me about um, getting people on board. And in the early days, the hardest thing was actually to get people to understand that um, you could rescue food, that it was an issue. Um, and, and you'd have these conversations with these smart people and they just they just didn't get it. Yep. Um, so, so what I've learned is that, you know, to, to really be more successful, people have got to understand um, you've got to almost have the ticks, you know, the, the recognition. And, and for a lot of people, that's a ticket to play, you know, to, mm. to, to get into, I mean, 7-Eleven's one of our supporters and, um, and some of the foundations, and that, they ask you questions like, you know, what's your governance and um, is, is it an organ, is it a recognised organisation? So I, I, I didn't ever do it to get any recognition, but what you realise is that getting these sorts of awards is very good for the organisation. Yes. And um, it helps the organisation do more. Great. Um, and obviously I reckon the listeners would love to, to, to help Second Bite. How do they go about, how would somebody who's listening to our podcast today go about assisting your organisation? Thank you, Greg. Look, the easiest way to help is to go on the website um, and donate um, because, interestingly enough, I mean, how much do you think a meal um, costs second by to um, the food in a meal to provide? How much do you think it costs? Oh, well, I suppose it would probably cost, you've got to distribute it and store it and things like that, so I suppose it would be probably 3 or $4 a meal. So um, because Second Bite becomes so efficient and because the volunteers, Second Bite, um, the cost of a meal is 20 cents a meal. Wow. Um, so so the, the beauty of that is someone donating uh, $100 will create 500 meals. So the, the power is amazing. That's cool. Um, so if, if people want to help, just going on the website and donating um, is the easiest way of doing that. Um, the other way is um, people can donate food um, to their local charity. Um, yes. So um, they can go onto the Second Bite website and they can um, talk to Second Bite about where there are um, local agencies and um, we, we can get food. I mean. Um, people who grow vegetables or um, have crops, you know, can actually help second by, by providing food. So um, going on the website is the way to connect into that as well. Terrific. And then um, there's a section for volunteering if people are interested. Yeah. And have you been affected much by COVID, um, Ian, in that distribution and, I suppose, raising funds? Has that affected you very badly? Well, it's it's been very complicated. Because um, when I when you asked me about the volunteers, because most of the volunteers were over seventy. Ah, of course, yeah. With a lot of the agencies um, and second bite lost all their volunteers. Their volunteers weren't allowed to go out. So luckily, people stepped up. The federal government gave second bite money. Coles gave second bite extra money, and the public gave second bite yes. extra money. So the public response has been amazing. Um, at the moment, you can donate through Coles liquor stores, and um, 
Last year, uh, we did a fundraiser through Coles, and in four weeks, it raised a million dollars. This year, because of COVID, we only had two weeks to do that, and it raised a million dollars in two weeks. So the public get it. Oh, that, that's fantastic. Um, so it's a great story of the community, philanthropy, and corporations coming together, uh, as well as government, to solve the problem. Ian, it's a it's an inspiring story. It's a uh, thank you and thank you, Simone, for the idea because obviously, um, you know, without you two, it never would have happened. And uh, I really want to thank you for joining our listeners today and um, sharing a story. Greg, good on you. And thanks for allowing us to tell the story and for doing what you do because you've always done a lot in the community as well. So thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Podshout. We look forward to bringing you more episodes in coming weeks and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Podshout to find out what's coming up. Otherwise, visit our website www.podshout.com.au.